This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Frederic Laloyau, President and CEO of Era Technology. I was working on a project and I, you know, I remember writing this paper one night. It's one of those moments when you start writing. And I worked work all night on what is the next big wave post-transaction automation. So basically the massive wave of, of globalization fueled by the relational database and the ERP layer. The next big idea is how do we tackle the big pyramid that sits on top of those ERP systems? The question that I was asking myself is why do companies grow so so deep, so fat when they grow big? Why, why how are the systems being made? So I've been thinking about this for a long, long time and really being convinced that you know the next big topic could be delayerization, organization getting flatter, but more nuclear as opposed to this big rigid pyramid. And, and for that, you need to enable decisions to be more closer to, to the point of impact. For that, you need to enable people to be able to measure in real time the impact of the decisions that they have to take. I mean, there is a whole logical flow. This is Frederick. He's got more than 20 years of experience as a leader in the enterprise performance management sector. He has built his career focusing on providing solutions that help organizations around the world achieve financial and business excellence. Fred started his career in the area of CPM, otherwise known as Corporate Performance Management, and he was leading ALG's global operations until it was acquired by Business Objects. When Business Objects was acquired by SAP, he became the Senior Vice President and General Manager for SAP's applications for Enterprise Performance Management, Governance, Risk and Compliance, and the Finance line of business. He then became the President and CEO of Anaplan, which he led for over three years. And that was the point where he joined Era Technology. I got pretty intrigued with the promise of Era Technologies, being the company that is actually building the cognitive technologies to enable this self-driving enterprise. And hence I invited Fred to my podcast. We explore how a variety of industries around the world are being disrupted and why many traditional business software solutions are simply not up to par anymore. We discuss why many businesses need a different breed of solution to rethink everything they do in order to survive in their market. By listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, why the way to survive as a business software vendor is to aim your product strategy at solutions that allow your customers to do things differently, rather than do the things that have not changed for decades a bit better. Secondly, how solutions that are connected outside and in, always on, 
thinking, learning and autonomous in their behavior will create the winners of tomorrow. And thirdly, that to become remarkable as a software business, you have to surround yourself with people that are not attached to the traditional way of doing. Thank you, Frederick, for uh, making the time in your busy schedule to be on my podcast. I've read into sure. what you're doing as a company <laughs> and what you've been doing before. One theme I see is information, analysis, analytics. What, tell me a little bit, what, what drives you? What's your passion? It's, it's hard to explain why I'm passionate about, about this whole topic of how big enterprises work and how technology blends in and how people blend into this whole concept. But it's, I fell in it, you know, when I was 27, 22 years ago and really built a passion. I like the complexity of the problems that we're tackling. I'd like the speed at which we can actually resolve some of these issues. Yeah, it's been a passion for a long time. And after a while, you know, you basically acknowledge that this is what you do. <laughs> so exactly. this is what I do. <laughs> So, I mean, you've been indeed with Business Objects, you've started, you've been the CEO of Anaplan, and then you started yeah. ERA, which to me is a big step upwards with where you came from in terms of the type of technologies that, that you're talking about. So, what is, the, what is the big idea behind ERA? Well, actually, it's interesting because the instinct, I'll tell you about the big idea, it's called cognitive automation, it's, it's building the technology that enables what we call the self-driving enterprise. But the genesis of that idea goes back, you know, 20 years back. I've always been thinking about this. We were working early days on a company called ALG, also known at the time as Armstrong Lang, for 10 years, building models, driver-based models to help predict, you know, resource consumptions based on business output. And we did a lot of work for this. 10 years is a long time. Yeah. building those models. Then we ended up selling that company to business subjects and then we talked about the rest. But the idea of that automation, augmentation, using models to help drive performance at company level has always been in my mind. I think the genesis was really around 10 years back when I was with, with SAP, you know, and, and I'm not going to disclose too much information from there, but it's 10 years back, so it's okay. The, the idea of cognitive automation came up and I was working on a project and I and I remember writing this paper one night. It's one of those moments when you start writing. And I worked work all night on what is the next big wave post-transaction automation. So basically yes. the massive wave of, of globalization fueled by the relational database and the ERP layer. And, and for me, having worked for business subjects and having built models for a time, maybe 12, 15 years, I was like, the next big idea is how do we tackle the big pyramid that sits on top of those ERP systems it's a combination of this pyramid of people, processes, and tools. And also, and I knew that the automation of that was the next big massive web of transformation. The question that I was asking myself is why do companies grow so so deep, so fat when they grow big? Why how are decisions being made? So I've been thinking about this for a long, long time and really being convinced that, you know, the next big topic could be delayerization, organization getting flatter, but more nuclear as opposed to this big rigid pyramid. And, and for that, you need to enable decisions to be made closer to the point of impact. For that, you need to enable people to be able to measure in real time the impact of the decisions that they have to take. I mean, there is a whole logical flow. 
and ultimately what's what's to trigger is the ability for computer system to manage volume complexity in real-time computation prediction and that only became available through what the emergence of what i call the internet scale technology you know the technology that was made available by the by the yahoo the the linkedin the, the facebook i asked myself the question a few years back you know why are we struggling? Why are we constraining ourselves in a cube or in a limited, uh, with a limited impact when, when you look at LinkedIn doing, you know, or Facebook running billions of queries every day with massive, you know, algorithm in the background, not to even mention Google, at scale, and it's working. So what, what's their secret? And why couldn't we take some of that technology and bring it to the enterprise? So that's the big idea is cognitive automation and enabling the self-driving enterprise. The genesis of that, as I mentioned, goes back 20 years, 10 years back. And it's really deeply anchored in something that I wanted to do. And then the, the, the enabler, as I said, was this the emergence of this internet scale technology. And then the rest is, you know, a bit of work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I see the same thing happening. And I mean, like I said, I've been all, all my life in the ERP space, transaction-based yeah. systems, really process-oriented and not, ex- not at all information-led. And I see that's that's what a big yeah, thing is going to happen at the end. The other the other main driver is I I got a little tired of being the bolt on solution. All my life it was the bolt on solution onto something else. Uh-huh. Like okay, <laughs> at some point we're going to stop being the bolt on thing that that sits on top of the SAP or the whatever solution with the promise that within three years it will be replaced by the native module of the ERP vendor, which we know is never coming. So yeah. there was a bit of that, okay, how do we not be the bolt on another fundamental drive was that I realized fairly early on as well that, you know, there is a pattern here. We, for the last 20 years, what I've seen is we're replacing plumbing, plumbings or pipes with better pipes, you know, and, and every three years there is a new technology that allows us to get a little bit better and fundamentally remove pain out of an existing process. You take the planning process Everything we've done is like, okay, it was really painful with your spreadsheet or your old version of XYZ tool. Let me bring another version of it that's cloud-based, that this, that that, that's cloud server. I mean, I can go back. But fundamentally, you're really not changing the process. You're, you're just removing pain out of the existing process. And that worked because there was so much pain involved that companies were willing to pay a lot of money for that. Yeah. But we're getting to a point where the digital transformation is such that Companies don't really care that much about removing pain. They care about survival. They're, they're being shaken to their core right now. And if you come with a you know, pain removal solution, they go like, we're not interested anymore. We're, we're, we need to really rethink the way we operate, the way we make decisions, the speed at which we do that. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're not going to survive. So I think this is a fundamental trend fundamental trend as well and and we need to disrupt after 30 40 years of trying the way that as i call it this big pyramid is actually running well that brings me at the end to to my next question which is like what is the opportunity if we get this right you know what do you see as a difference between companies that have been in that all all the time and are now moving to yeah well just just look around right what is the i was i was talking to a client and they were telling me look we I'll be very careful in the way I position it, but you know, we sell 
very basic products, but but massive, you know, billions and billions of these very basic products to our clients, to our customers. And why do they buy from us? They buy from us because of the power of our brands. And they buy from us because dirty secret, wherever they go around the world, they find our products. That's it. That's the only true reason why they buy our products. Challenge, number one, mega brands are being deeply challenged and, and, and they have now to address. This is why you see all those micro brands owned yeah. by those big companies actually emerging everywhere. And the second challenge is that there are companies like Amazon telling consumers, you don't need to go to the store anymore. Uh-huh. Okay. So now you take a 50 billion plus company shaking to its core because what, what enabled it to be so global, so big and fantastically successful is the power of the brand and the fact that wherever, whatever store you want, you could find this product. Yeah. So, so the, you're asking me a very good question is what is the opportunity or the impact of this technology? Well, look around. Look at Amazon. They've, they are the illustration of that. They, this is a company that was born post-ERP revolution and, and that built its DNA on deep analytics and very, very smart, flexible supply chain. And, yeah. and look at the results. So, so the opportunity for those who are not Amazon or, or, or the likes of Amazon is basically to survive and, and thrive in that, that new era where the foundation has been, uh, has been shaken. I mean, the brick and mortar stores are gone. New experiences are being built. But now the mega brands that are just shipping their products the way they've done it for 50 years are the next ones to, to be in, you know, in the visitor and have to be very, very careful. So I would say, in a bit of a dark side, I would say the first thing is you don't you have to do it to survive, but then you can do it to thrive. That's at the end the more offensive aspect, you know, do it and do it right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they, I think you know I was joking the other day. I feel like for the last ten years since my SAP days, I was doing a lot of presentations and talking about digital transformation and basically saying, "Oh, the world is changing. The world is changing." Yeah, it has changed. <laughs> the, this sentence of it has, it's changing is, is obsolete. It has already changed. And, and we're seeing the consequences, but because we live in the middle of it, we struggle to actually feel it. And I think, you know, it's always interesting. I'm, I've been in the software and the consulting business all my life. And we're the last ones to realize that our world is also being changed and challenged. And that if we don't do it differently, we're also going to be made obsolete. So the way we engage with our clients, the way we build our technology, the way we share our IP, all of that is being shaken to its core, but we're the last ones to see it. It's very easy for me to look at the problems of the CPG industry or the car manufacturers, you name it, and to refuse to see what's happening in my world. So I think no one is, no one is protected. I think that change is, is a tidal wave of change. It will impact the way work is actually being done you know, the, way, the reason why I like the image that we took for our technology around self-driving is if you think about it, if you look at a car today and you look at the Ford Model T from 1908, it's the same car. I mean, the technology has improved, but the operating system of the car has not changed. And the operating system of the car is just the human driver, right? That's, that's that operating system. True. My grandfather came back on Earth today and he looked at a car. He would be able to get in and, yeah, we'll have to adjust to the GPS and stuff like that, but it still wouldn't know how to drive. The rules have not changed for more than 100 years. Well, if you apply that to an enterprise, if you walked into a big company today, yeah, it would be using a better tool for collaboration and more, you know, some more video conferences and all this great stuff. 
But fundamentally, the way those big companies operate and make decisions hasn't changed Close for hundreds of years. Yeah. And today it's changing. Today it's fundamentally changing. So the way we think about driving one in, in a digital world it will be radically different. And the way I think we think about work in this new digital era will be completely different. Our kids, my kids will not work the way we, we I did. They're not, they will not value their time. They will not value their, their knowledge and their experience the same way as we as a generation have valued ours. And just like many generations before. Exactly, exactly. Now you're talking, you've already addressed the topic of self-driving enterprise a couple of times. Going back to the solution, so what does it actually do in order to make your business a self-driving enterprise? Can you, can you walk me through? Yeah, so I mean, it's, um, a, it's a combination of two things, right? So if you decompose what we mean by self-driving, but it's a system that's connected outside and in, right? So it, it actually really, it's a big concept in supply chain, but it actually applies to much more than that. So it's connected in and out. So you have all the sensors inside what's happening in the company, but also coming from the outside that can influence the way decisions are made. It's real time and always on, which is where you know the human, even in, in the best network possible organization possible, are not real time and always on. So it's connected outside and in real time and always on. It's thinking. It's been programmed to actually perform a series of operations. It's also learning. And, and there is a massive difference here between the way humans, even in network, learn and, and the way computers learn. Humans are much faster at learning and have much more resources intellectually at their disposal for that. But they're really, really bad at sharing the learning, the, what they learn. Yeah, correct. Computers are very slow at learning, but once they learn something, they're really, really good at sharing it. This is why Google is spending billions of dollars right now. They have driven 10 million miles or more by now with their Waymo cars, accumulating little bits and pieces of, of, of experience. But but they're doing that with a fleet of cars. And every time there is a knowledge element, it's being shared with the entire fleet. And they're going to get to a point where the process of driving the car on, on the road is being fully digitized. And at that point, you know, it becomes an operating system. Same thing for the processes that we're tackling in the enterprise. If you're, if you master trade promotion or you know, demand forecasting or any other process and you have fully digitized it and you have now a system that's real-time and always on connected outside and in thinking learning and the last component which is autonomous in its ability to actually operate the and right back into the transactional systems you have you know fully full augmentation here to the humans so we're moving from an era of people doing the work supported by systems and tools to help them compute, to help them memorize, to help them collaborate, to an environment where the computers are doing the work all the way to the execution, but then controlled by the humans. And it's fundamentally a revolution that happened in the shop floor you know, a long time ago and still happening. So it's nothing different. And it's not about RPA, which is automating, you know, entering cells, numbers into cells in the process. This is really targeting the, the way people make those decisions. So, so that, that's pretty much what it is. Interesting. Is it, is it typically angled or aimed at product-centric industries or also at service-centric industries? Well, if you think about, you know, we're very proud of our concept, but the finance industry has been using it for quite some time. I mean, automated trading is nothing different than that. It's been out there for a long time with the 
positive and the negative, but we did not invent anything. We're just bringing what they were able to develop for, for as a concept, right, for the automated trading into the complex world of enterprises that make stuff, that ship stuff, that sell stuff that we consume every day or the services that companies consume every day. So the concept is not limited to any type of industry. As, as a company, as ERA, we started working with companies that have a very big dependency on supply chain because we analyzed the situation and concluded that this is what's the, the most obvious angle for disruption. Right? You think about what Amazon's done. They've cracked supply chain and they've cracked marketing in a way that no one else has cracked. So that's what we feel is the most pressing point to manage and to help very large companies manage around the world. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, f- from the moment ERA started to where you are right now, what do you believe were the, yeah, the things that made, made the product remarkable as it is today? What well, is it- you know, it's still, a work, it's still a work in progress. That's what I love about what we do in this company uh-huh. is I don't think will ever be done. You know, the, there is constant improvement that we have to provide on, on the platform. And sure. I mean, if you think about, about what we do, and this is why I'm so passionate about this technology, is that it's actually not one thing. To make this concept of self-driving and autonomous actually work, you have to combine so many different technologies, right? From, from your crawlers, we basically do what Google did with the World Wide Web, but to the enterprise. Crawling, you have to crawl billions of rows of data every of data, sorry, every day. You have to augment that, and then you have to build all the logic combining the most advanced data modeling capabilities with data science. So we have an entire data science platform embedded in what we do, and then you have to invent, literally create new ways for humans to interact with those with era as an algorithm. So. It's an assemblage of different technologies. The same way you could describe that, you know, a self-driving car is not just, you know, a car plus a GPS plus a bunch of sensors plus a LiDAR plus this and that. To make it actually work and allow the driver to take her hand off the wheel, you need to make this whole thing work in real time. And it needs to be reliable. So the challenges are humongous but it's incredibly fun and exciting if you're a product geek like we are <laughs> so i mean i'm hearing a number of things like you're you're combining a lot of things that already have been around you're you're but you're also of course creating things that have not been around yeah. I mean, what yeah. is the decision making process here in terms of where you decide this is what we're going to make ourselves and this is what we are going to kind of find or use we pretty much pretty much make everything ourselves and we were using some components, of course, right? Some, yeah. some graphical components and then some database. I mean, we had a very, very open architecture, which is critical. I mean, I've been locked in, in closed architectures before, and it's a nightmare because you can't, you can't go beyond what you do. And then sure. it, becomes, you know, it becomes complicated to scale beyond a certain point. So what, what thing we've done is, is design this architecture that allows us to constantly adapt and, uh, and plug in the most advanced technologies to make, to make the whole system work in the back end, right? But from a, we, in terms of the core components, we build everything ourselves. We have our own content, our own skills. It's, it's very critical that we, we control the code. Yeah, I can imagine this. So from, there are customers live on the platform, but yeah. since it's such a new concept, what did you learn selling this? 
I mean, do you? I mean, you know, it's it's. I've done this before, and and we're at that point right now where, you know, we're super proud. We launched the concept in Era on June 19, two thousand seventeen, uh-huh. and I remember saying, well, you know, this is it. Like, this is a concept that's going to carry us for the next ten years. I'm not going to have to reinvent a new story every year to try to get some attention in the market. We're going to do this. We're going to. We're going to live with it. We're going to die with it. But this is it. This is this is this is the story. And of course, the concept of self-driving. You know, I didn't know for the enterprise whether people would react saying, "Well, it's completely crazy again," or no, this is this is something that we get. So the first thing I learned is that executives. First of all, it's it's a true executive conversation for the first time I think in my career. You know, every software vendor says, "Oh, we're selling at the C level, blah blah blah." No, that's usually not true. Here it actually is, and and that surprised me. We, we have conversations on an ongoing basis with with the executives of the largest companies in the world around this concept. The second thing is, I think we were very proud about it, and they came back to us and they were like, "Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, you're doing this." And where have you been? So the reaction is not so much like, "Oh, it's too advanced, or it's so far ahead, and we can't do it." The reaction from those executives has been like. We've been waiting for this for quite some time. What, what took you okay. so long? So that was, that was kind of fun. And then we, we came in with the idea of the system will provide a lot of recommendations for the users to analyze and, and decide. And a lot of it is being kind of shifted automatic to automated recommendation. In other words, I think a lot of companies realize that, that cognitive augmentation is absolutely critical to free people to actually do the job that they were supposed to do first. Exactly. And I think we maybe initially were a little shy or maybe have underestimated how much pain was. I mean, I knew it, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't have done it. But I think what surprised me to answer your question is how, how pressing the need to go toward full level four self-driving is. Companies need to do it and they need to do it today. So that was that was a good surprise, and then there is of course a lot of challenges every time you you come up with a disruptive concept like this. But we're we're at that we we haven't crossed the chasm yet. We're in this you know ten percent of the market sure. uh, yeah. who are saying who are saying we need this and we need this now, and, and we're defining and, and hopefully we'll own that category around self-driving enterprise. Yeah. And then you'll see, like I've seen with companies before, oh suddenly everything becomes easy and everybody's a hero when they can sell the software. Yeah. Now, we're still in the phase where we're, we're working with the pioneers, which honestly is the most interesting intellectually, the most challenging, exactly. and, but also I think the most rewarding phase in the life of a yeah. software company. The early scale is, the discovery of the early scale is so much fun. Yeah. It's very hard. It's draining. It sucks your life away, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's really pushing the boundaries and, and challenging yourself that what you're doing is really like the, the next level up and not like incremental. I mean, is yeah, it, you, have to, you have to believe. Yeah, exactly. I was recently speaking to the CEO of a company called First, Mike Snyder, mm-hmm. and he said, he said that his customers are actually so happy with their solution that they don't want to tell anybody else because they, they, they are afraid that they reveal a secret or their secret. So I think that's also maybe well, something. You can, you, you can go to our website and you'll find just one name. <laughs> and the only reason why Alessandro is there is because I think he owns a bit of a, the, the paternity of the concept of self-driving supply chain. And also he was, he's a pioneer and a public figure in the space. Yeah, but from we, don't, we, don't put the log, we don't put the logos of our customers for that exact reason. 
Exactly. Um, you know, we, and we want to protect, you know, if, wow. if, if privacy and data privacy is, is core to what you do, and it is for era for sure, and why don't why do you broadcast all your customers' logo on the website? That's the first thing you should not do. So we we took a very very drastic approach to to that problem, and we're very very discreet about who we work with. Wow, yeah, but I mean that is also a complete new dynamic because it is so 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 disrupting. And no one wants to reveal their secrets. It becomes uh, like like Mike is saying, it becomes antiviral. So yeah, I. I don't find the same thing. I think, you know, if you like, if you take the world of, I don't know, supply chain or procurement or all the areas where we're operating, planning, people, people are networked. They've worked together for many years. They, I mean, they talk amongst themselves. Now, are they going to talk publicly? It, it's, it depends. But I find that they actually, their game and they, they take pride in, in being an innovator and they kind of like to talk a little bit about what they do. So, you know, I think there is the official policy of where we're not talking about it, and I think people on over a good bottle of wine will up and up and talk to their peers. I find it surprising sometimes how much people talk, but I think that's human nature. Yeah. Is there any anecdote you can share that you're proud of? I mean, <laughs> I got normally I got this question, and it's like, okay, of course we talk about this because you know this is what we share, but possibly you don't want to share it. <laughs> An anecdote of something I'm, pr- I'm what, proud of. What are you of? most proud of achieving so far? Or what have you been most surprised with? Oh, my God. I don't ask that myself that question at all. I think it's way too early to be proud okay. of anything. I mean, I, I love I love what we do, and I'm super proud of the team, a lot of the folks that uh, I work with today, are people that I've worked with over the years, and we're augmenting the team with amazing talent from from all over. So... You know, that, that makes me happy and the loyalty and the friendship that you build over the years is, is just amazing. So I would say that's what makes me proud is that I've managed to work with, with great, great people for so many years and that we're continuing, you know, expanding and augmenting this family, you know, this era is incredibly global and trying to bring that, that culture across and you know, on a global scale. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm proud of it, but I, but I truly enjoy the process and I truly enjoy the friendship that goes with it. Yeah, okay. Let me see. From everything that you've done so far, I mean, I realize also, you're talking to the innovators. That's, that's where, of course, the whole process starts with selling. What would you advise CEOs in the marketplace to do different or to think different or to, to, well, to, to question themselves with? You know, it's, it's, the advice game is, is easy, right? I think you have to be very careful. I think we, people are incredibly smart about how much change and disruption they can bring to their company at any point in time. Uh-huh. But I would say that, I'm, I'm going to say something pretty obvious, but embracing the new technologies that are out there and somehow pushing back against the status quo that is imposed, especially in a very large organization by thinking, you know, you're, you're, you're a product marketer, so I'm talking to the evil guy here, but, <laughs> you know, I think there is so much pressure and standardized thinking that's pushed by the traditional vendors. You know, you have to go with your data lake and the this and the that, and you have to do it the traditional way. That I would encourage the CEOs to really challenge their teams of how much of that thinking is yours, how much of that thinking is the one coming from the, you know, the big vendors who are just trying to defend their stake. And it's fair game. I mean, it's totally fine. But I think there is so much at stake right now that you have to you have to think differently. And I've talked about you know 
the way startups organize themselves vis-a-vis -vis large enterprises for many, many years. I remember doing conferences years back on hyper-growth versus hyper-change. And I still see in some companies, you know, a resistance to change. And I would encourage CEOs to really surround themselves by people who are not detached to the, the traditional way of doing things. Because that literally right now, and I'm not saying this in excessive fashion, but it literally means that that's good, that could kill companies. And we're sick, right? You have to disrupt the way you think about processes, the way you organize. And it takes courage. It's not an easy thing to do. But that's why I'm saying, you know, I'm not here to give any advice. I think people are very smart and do the best they can. But... You know, they need the courage to actually change and challenge the core of how they've been doing things for many, many years. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's also the reason why I started this podcast is, is at the end to, to be, well, to drive a little bit of education because things are so radically different these days with what you can do with technology that it also, you also need to open eyes. And sometimes people think that's what's, what the, the next version of, of the ERP vendor they're using or the CRM vendor. Yeah. That that's like holy grail, and it's not. I think that if I were to give an advice on something I've believed in for a long time, and I feel like I didn't do good enough, and I hope this time I'm going to get it right, is, is pay attention to the end users. I have seen that disease all my career where, you know, the vendor and the consultant and the client all celebrate victory because, you know, we're on time and on budget. and But how much time do you spend with the end user? person who's supposed to use that solution, are they really happy? Are they really loving it or not? And I think we're moving to an era now where, you know, it's becoming paramount to really go down to, okay, I was talking to a client the other day was saying, look, we're, we're thinking about using your solution as a front end to all the other tools that are, it's one of the largest companies in the world, all the other solutions that are out there, because we know that our users A, hate using them, B, don't know how to. So I was like surprised, you know, something I was like, wow, I never thought about ERA as, as this kind of front end to actually automate how decisions are made and executed with, with a whole host of, of basically enterprise apps. So, but my point is, you know, it takes courage, right? It takes courage to go down to end users and say, how is it going for you? How are you actually really doing the work? I was joking the other day, you know, there's this show on TV about the CEO swapping job with, with a worker and I don't know what the name of the show is, but I'm like, you know, we should be doing the same thing. We should actually go and spend a day using our own uh, software in a company and see how it feels. Again, that takes courage because it's kind of comfortable not to have to do that, but I genuinely believe that, you know, people have to pay more attention to this problem. Exactly. Spot on. So what's next for you? What is the greatest aspiration where to take ERA? You know, the aspiration is to continue doing what we're doing. I mean, we have obviously a very detailed plan, which I'm not going to discuss here. But, you know, we're, we're doing what we love. We're doing it with the people that are really deeply passionate, both on the customer side and, and, and on the, we call them the era notes. I call them the era nuts because I think they were crazy to work here. But no, just more of the same. I mean, we have a massive roadmap, massive innovation, so much ahead of us. Cool. Um, and I think the drive is really we want to see we want to see that that new kind of technology, right? This is not a replacement for an existing stuff. This is something fundamentally new. So like we've earned the right to to really try. So you know more of the same. I guess it's a boring answer, but that's really what we want. 
well, I mean, at the end, you know, it's it's starting. It's it's a, it's becoming yeah. a rev- it's becoming a part of a revolution. So, what else could you say? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's incredible. We're incredibly lucky to be where we are and to do what we do. So, let's keep it going. Exactly. So, if there's any anyone in the audience that that could help, I mean, what would you ask? I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure that I have a specific ask. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, to be, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I don't know that I have any. Someone is interested in learning more about what we do, just reach out and we'll have a chat. Yeah, well, that's exactly my, my next question. Where can people go to find out more about ERA and uh, to say hi to you? ERATechnology.com. And then I guess I try to respond to as many LinkedIn messages as I can. It, it, it takes me quite a amount of time, but I, you know, if you say I've listened to the podcast and I have a question, I'll make sure I answer for sure. Okay. We'll get Good. Okay. Well, that's how it started. It started between the you and me as well. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much, much for the opportunity. Very nice talking with you. It was a pleasure on my side as well. And for everybody that's listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Frederick Laluyao, President and CEO of Era Technology. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strengths of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.